0: Celtic
1: stuff live. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. Although, John, I'm not sure if they are our Boston Celtics anymore because there's only four players returning on this roster from last year. I'm pretty excited. You know, I've wavered a lot. On Kyrie Irving, but also dating back to what the end of May, maybe the middle of June, somewhere in that range, I expressed to you similar concerns that I had last year with Kelly Olynyk. only this year with Isaiah Thomas's hip. And yes, we talked about it last week. A lot of damage done to Isaiah's I want to not his reputation, but leading into this coming season, it is a contract year. Certainly some damage and and some information management going on there as Cleveland tried to negotiate extra value in the trade. Kind of a shady dealing. I don't know that we need to dive too deep into that, but we do need to talk about Isaiah because it was a concern of mine and it did ultimately become a growing concern with the Cleveland Cavaliers front office and management that Isaiah Thomas did not have surgery and thus they're not necessarily able to control the time frame for how he might come back. And there is some risk that were he to re-injure that hip at some point during the season ultimately requiring surgery that maybe he would not be ready for the postseason. Now let's also keep in mind, it was that first round pick that enticed Cleveland to do this deal. It is in fact planning for a post Lebron error era <laughs> error. That too. post LeBron era that precipitated this trade and why the Celtics were such good partners. So the deal was not centered around Isaiah, but it was a good hey, we can compete now, but we can build get a head start on building for the future. At the end of the day, though, this hip, I think the Celtics made a wise decision, and I know when the trade first broke, John, you and I talked about it, and we said if it comes out that Isaiah's hip is maybe questionable for this season for the Celtics, if that's the case, this idea that the Celtics overpaid – will actually start to level out. And I think that's where we've landed today.
0: No, you're right. This is where we are. I mean, this is when the deal first came out. We were all looking at the deal and saying they overpaid. They gave up weight much. They gave up that valuable net that we've been talking about and cherished for at least five years at this point, or nearly five years by the point that that deal actually comes into finishing and the deal uh, – when you get to the draft 2018, it actually would have uh, come to fruition. But unfortunately, or fortunately, we never got to see that. That 2018 Nets pick that I think a lot of us thought would be the best of them all perhaps. Um, looks- hands. It's going to Cleveland. And I think now, not only from what you're you're talking about in terms of the issue of Isaiah's hip, really almost being a throw-in to the deal to make salaries match. Uh, I don't think it's that uh, extreme, but certainly we're almost at that point. And you take that contract, you take the fact he's got the hip, and with all the other assets in there, Crowder's unbelievable contract, the Nets pick, uh, you know, even Zizic, those are three really valuable or or decent to really valuable assets that Cleveland was able to get out of the deal. I think when you understand what you're really not able to get out of Isaiah Thomas, you're not going to get the 2017 Isaiah Thomas that we just saw light up the league, become a second all-NBA, second-team all-NBA guy. That's not who Cleveland's getting. They're getting a guy that they're hoping after two months Three months, maybe four months out of action, he's able to be healthy enough to give them that spark that they need to get past the Golden State Warriors. I'm not buying that. I think the Celtics clearly made the best deal here, and it's I. It hurts me to say that because we all have a lot of love for Isaiah Thomas, but we have to be realistic about what that hip means, and also we got to get after the Cleveland Cavaliers, those snakes in Cleveland, who have taken, as you said, they've taken his name, dragged it through the mud. I mean, they really did him dirty here. And I know as we get through this process and we talk about the with the, the press conference for the Cleveland Cavaliers announcing Jay and Isaiah here this coming week, we're also going to have the issue where – you know the first time that they come back to Boston, and it's always going to be portrayed as Danny did Isaiah wrong, and it's there's no question that there's a a break in trust, perhaps, but this is a business. Isaiah knows that, Danny knows that, and unfortunately, you can't always play with your heart. You got to play with your head, and Danny made the best deal for his head, and I think the Celtics fans in time certainly will agree as hard as this, to understand here just a week after the trade goes down.
1: Yeah, absolutely they made the right move. And every cliche in the world and every radio station has said it, we might as well reiterate it. At the end of the day, if you're getting the best player in the trade, you won the trade, and that's the case here despite the fact that the Celtics did did give up quite a lot. But Kyrie Irving is three years younger. He's got an extra year on his contract. It's cost-controlled. It fits the Celtics' timeline, as we've heard them say over and over. And Kyrie Irving is a fantastic player. I was surprised at just how intelligent and thoughtful he came across when he went up on stage during the press conference that the Celtics had to announce not only he, but Gordon Hayward's addition to the roster. It almost makes you think that the Celtics were waiting for this deal to get consummated before they put Gordon up in front of everybody. At the same time, I understand the conference call and the fact that now is actually when Gordon was moving his family in. So it might have just been coincidental. I know there's some... Thoughts out there that maybe this had been planned out all along. We know that discussions are always ongoing in the NBA. It's never static or immediate. It's been foundation laid over many, many, many months. I don't know that the Celtics felt like this one was the front runner. I think there were players like Jimmy Butler and Paul George that were clearly much more anticipated as players that they would deal for over a Kyrie Irving, but at the same time, you get this uh scenario where the the opportunity arose obviously Kyrie forced that scenario I don't know how I feel about that, and he didn't really answer any of those LeBron questions. He kind of just, yeah, well, you know, it's not what I'm about. You know, it's not my reality. Really talked a lot about being based in reality, but really didn't describe his reality very well. Ultimate under- reality?
0: Yeah. What the hell was he talking about, man? It's just
1: flat no Earth idea. reality. I don't know. And 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 honestly, once the trade went through, all of the flat Earth. Uh, tweets that went out was amusing to me. You know, I have, you know, an opinion on that. At the end of the day, we watch this team because of the basketball that's played on the court. It doesn't really matter if he is messing with somebody about flat earth, which is your theory, or if he actually believes that the earth might be flat. It really doesn't matter. Um, however, <laughs> I was shocked when I heard how eloquent he was. He, he was really good at saying nothing and had been coached pretty well and learned a lot from the master.
0: He was, well, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what he said at that last conference on Friday. It was, it, it wasn't rambling. <laughs> it wasn't but, much though, dude. But it was like, it was really I, eloquent. Nothing.
1: It was so perfectly
0: nothing. I think he said more with his loving glances at Gordon Hayward than he said anything that came out of his mouth. And he used many words, but they translated into, this is my reality. And my reality is going to be like, dude, like bring it down a notch. And I think some people were kind of put off by it. Scal was in his post game or post interview. I don't know. Uh, comments was a little bit put off by it perhaps, but look, I think he's a weird dude. I think that's going to be part of his thing. Um, is he and that's going to be part? the Manny
1: Ramirez of the Boston Celtics over the next couple of years? You know, the, the, it's just Kyrie via Kyrie or Uncle Drew being Uncle Drew. I don't, I just, I can kind of see that the way, the way that you just mentioned it. He's almost more eloquent though than Manny, right? Manny oh, was yeah. kind of this goofball. You know, if, if Manny was sort of a bumbling goofball, this guy's almost like, uh, a narcissist kind of like just in his execution <laughs> of the saying nothing and you know I don't and and um it is going to be interesting to follow we're not going to have and this and in this way Kyrie Irving is set up for to not be successful is that we really endeared ourselves to Isaiah Thomas as a fan base everybody loved the grit and determination the way this Cast of, or I should say, outcast players from other teams, under-respected and over-performing. That whole thing is, we love that. We love that in Boston. And so even if this team does go uh, leapfrog the Cleveland Cavaliers and goes to the finals this season, I think we'll enjoy the ride and I think it'll be fun. And, I, you know, I, it, listen, success always breeds happy people, right? But at the same time, I think it could be interesting if it doesn't go so well. I do anticipate them having a little bit of a tough start, both defensively and then just getting that offense clicking exactly the way they would like. But you mentioned sort of Kyrie throwing a lot of love Gordon Hayward's way well, was interesting when they said, so what is, cause I've been wondering the same thing and it did get asked, what is the nature of the relationship between you two? And I know Gordon Hayward got to answer that one said basically that, well, the Kyrie tried to recruit me when I was a restricted free agent, but LeBron kind of ruined all of that. It was funny how they both <laughs> laughed about that. So they, maybe they're united in their uh, let's take down LeBrondom. but at the end of the day, with that, with those two, I think there's more to that story and chemistry is everything. So maybe these two players will prove me wrong and they won't have that traditional, you know, the annual Brad Stevens stutter start that happens at the beginning of, well, it happens in, you know, November of every season. It just seems like, ah, oh, they're underperforming and then they, they pour on the Jets.
0: I wish I had that much confidence. I don't. I don't have any such confidence. I mean, this is, I think we're, this is going to be the stutter, the stutteriest of steps, maybe. Um, I think this is going to be the hardest one we've dealt with, honestly, because the, the expectations are sky high and we have a bench of guys who are 19, 20, 21, 22 years old. Uh, it's, it's next to them. I mean, aside from, I think Aaron Baines, who we can all agree, probably is going to be uh, the bench guy at this point. Yeah, but like you can give Marcus Morris some be.
1: love there, too. I mean,
0: the Maybe. only real issue
1: is the starting lineup, and there's going to be a lot of more debate. I think I'm actually coming around, now that Jay Crowder is not on this roster, to Aaron Baines starting or being in the starting lineup. And uh, I think Jalen Brown is still in there, mostly because there's nobody to to facilitate the offense on the second unit, if not Marcus Smart. But really, Marcus is the one that deserves to be in the starting lineup. I just don't think it works the way this roster is constituted. But if you take the starting five, we'll throw in one of those 21-year-olds, like you said, and we're going to have Baines. You've still got Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris that are on the bench to steady that second unit. So, yes, they're young but they're pretty much going seven deep with veteran ability. Now, it's the eight, the nine, the ten, that part of the rotation, and if somebody gets injured, that really causes concern. But I think, as it has been every season, how do they get scoring out of that second unit? The one benefit here is they have somebody in Kyrie Irving that can create offense the way Isaiah Thomas did last year, and they also still have... Gordon Hayward, they could stagger those two until the fourth quarter where they play them side-by-side for the last ten and try to dominate the opposition to a win. That's certainly something that I think that they can do. It could be a recipe for success in keeping that second unit stabilized, really only being out there for a little bit. Maybe it's uh, Jason Tatum who steadies the handoff between Irving and Hayward you know, in that second quarter, because that's really what we're talking about. Sometimes it's the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, but really where they always dug themselves a hole was in that second quarter. And I don't think – I know everybody wants to make a big deal about the defense being a drop-off, but if you look at this roster last year, they weren't good defensively. It was a question mark all year. Were it not for Isaiah Thomas's excellent offensive outbursts, that team would have been in serious trouble and certainly would not have taken the Eastern conference.
0: No. And I think that that's, that's part of the issue. I think it's that defensively uh, they're they going to be a sieve. I, I think in part, at least to start <laughs> in part to start, I think that what we have here, when you talk about Baines, I'm not sure if Baines is actually going to start. We had, we talked about this on the show that we did not long after Hayward's Hayward was signed. And I was thinking Baines is the guy. Well, now that I'm looking at the roster, looking at how they're going to break out minutes with Crowder gone, I think Morris is the guy that actually fills that four spot. I think, I think they are going to go for the five. Um, Zach Lowe kind of alluded to it in his comments, uh, his, his post that came just before. Everything finally got settled with the Kyrie deal. And, uh, Nate Duncan actually similarly said he, that he'd heard the same thing that probably Horford will get the, the five spot, which I think is fine. I think it actually allows them to match up pretty well with a team like perhaps Washington, uh, put the Morris twins on each other, put, uh, Horford on, um, Gortat, the bullish hammer. And then you've got your three wings to kind of throw at them. I think that works out pretty well. And then it allows you to kind of maintain some balance without that third legit center-sized guy um, if it's not Bogut who signed for that fifteenth roster spot, who will it be? And if if it's more likely, it's going to be somebody who's probably in a six eight six nine six ten range, a real power forward type. And they have a handful of those, so you really have only two guys on your roster: Baines and Horford who are legit centers. I'm not sure the Tice is in that mix. It seems like he's more of a power forward as well. So I think that we're probably have. A situation as, as the Celtics maybe move on that may change, but I think initially right now, Baines is the five for the second unit, Horford's the five for the first unit, and they're going to have to mix and match. But that transition that you're talking about, Justin, I think is absolutely the, the, the key piece in this because that was where I think they had a hard time. Started the fourth quarter. Start of the second quarter. That was time Isaiah sitting down, just as you had said. So now you're going to structure your minutes. So you're going to have one of Kyrie or Hayward on the floor. And then when you're doing that, you know, like you said, you're putting smart with Hayward, and that's you know, as the second unit's kind of filtering in. You're kind of you know, and then when when Kyrie's coming back, that allows you to get Hayward some minutes. I think that that's probably what what he's going to try to do. It'd be interesting to see. Who plays more with with Horford? Do they try to put Horford and Kyrie together? Allow Kyrie to do a little bit more of the scoring, a little bit more of the playmaking with Horford as Hayward sits initially. You know, as we're kind of moving down this, it's not so much a, a two man rotation as much as it's a three man rotation, and making sure your two of your three best players were on yeah, the floor as often but you know together. What?
1: Horford can't create his own offense. It can run through him right. and he right. can be dangerous but that's why I really focus on Hayward and Irving when we talk about those types of rotations and also just embrace the positionless NBA that it's become. <laughs> that is what this roster stacked with, young and old. You look at somebody like Semi Ujule who is an older player for a Celtics draftee and has the body for the NBA. We might see him get some rotation minutes even at the power forward it only matters that they're able to switch defensively and do all of those things we'll talk i think we'll dive into that again in just a minute but first station identification let me just remind you to follow celtic stuff live on twitter at csl underscore tweet live you can follow me at csl underscore justin john is at CSL underscore Duke, the entire CLNS Media network at CLNS Media. Don't forget our Facebook page, facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. You simply go to your app marketplace, you search CLNS Media, you download it and you get awesome content. Not only Celtics stuff live, but the Celtics round table, the garden report is back. We saw Jared Weiss and Nick Gelso along with new CLNS LNS media representative Mike Petralia on just from post press conference as well this week. So gearing up for the garden report. It's great to have that back. And speaking of gearing up, Week one of the NFL season is coming right up. And for all of you that are fantasy football fans, the wait is nearly over. Football's back, which means FanDuel is back with fantasy football for everyday fans. And new contests begin every week, no busted seasons, with something for everyone and lots of contests to choose from. Starting at just $1, you simply pick a contest choose your team and watch your score in real time. I played throughout the fantasy football season last year. Had a ton of fun. Made a little bit of money. I'm not going to tell you that I'm a great gambler because I'm not. I don't put in the work but I always enjoy hanging out with my buddies and competing against each other and we're going to have a listener league for you. It'll either be a Celtic Stuff Live listener league or an entire CLNS media listener league. We'll have that locked down by next week's show. You'll be able to join. You can hurry harass john and i as you beat the pants off of us you can make fun
0: of us that that'll be fun but although now that we're on video we're not doing that on video just just to be clear no, we're definitely not doing that on video. <laughs> no pants are being off on the video. On YouTube. That's, the gloves a, are off. that's a podcast. The gloves are off. That's right. Okay, just being clear about that, everybody. Amen, John.
1: <laughs> Over two and a half million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. Sign up today. Go to FanDuel. dot com. Click on the Join Now button and use our promo code CSL. 17, that's CSL 17, you'll try FanDuel for free with no deposit required by visiting FanDuel.com. You'll claim your free contest. So you'll, by signing up with our promo code CSL 17, you'll play for a share of $10,000 just signing up. Again, FanDuel.com, promo code CSL 17, void where prohibited. So John, let's talk about those rotations again. Let's dive a little I thought you were going to go deeper. numerology.
0: You're not going numerology? I thought well, CSL right, 17.
1: Right. See, CSL that was 17. A good time, 17.
0: you got to go with the numerology. Right here. Let's get it out on the table, everybody. Okay, then we have
1: to talk about my post on Twitter the other day. Because for those of you who have been paying attention, I get a little wacky with this stuff. My birthday little. is April 17th, four seventeen. When I created Celtic Stuff Live, it was 4-banner-17. But now... Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. I'm just going to let you know it's now spreading throughout my family this crazy numerology. Number 11, number 20. It's my wife's birthday, John, November 20th. So that right there. And by the way, you heard her voice at the beginning of the show. She's the one who introduces John and I every single week on this show. She's in the intro. And uh, she's been doing it for, I don't know, 12 years, right? We've been doing this yeah. for 12 years. She's been the lady that has welcomed John and I back every single week. And now I'm just telling you it's going to tie in. This is a special year coming up, John.
0: So the first the first championship of the CSL era, that was Justin's at 17. Now we have 1120, Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving. This is your wife's. This is pretty big. I I, I will. I will say if we want to kind of go on to this, eighteen is kind of like my wife's number. So maybe this is the year for the women. Mm. Celtic stuff live. It's the year of the woman in Celtic stuff live history here. And we got eleven twenty. We got number eighteen banner eighteen. I don't know, man. Maybe we've been down this road
1: before, thinking we were crazy, and you can all just thank us.
0: And you could also just think we're crazy because we are. We're probably (laughs) doing a a podcast for twelve years. You kidding? We are nuts. Now you can. Well, and
1: let's let's remember your birthday is July first, which is seven one instead of one seven. So, you know, we applied the palindrome theory to our uh, Mm. to all of our craziness the last time around too. So I know there's lots of new listeners. We won't spend a ton of time on that because it's going to come back. But I will say this. Positionless NBA, semi-usually. We're looking at this roster. We know what the top seven are. Maybe Terry Rozier makes it top eight. But after that, it's a little bit loose. Maybe we throw Tatum in there. That's nine. But I think, guys, like you mentioned, Tice, maybe he's one of the players that's going to round out the uh, the big man rotation. I think maybe some spot minutes, but I'm not really worried that we're going to see a ton of him unless there's an injury. I do think, however, that Baines does start – Just because that's what we saw with Amir Johnson. And I think it has everything to do with who finishes the game. And that's one way to manage the minutes. They can easily go a little bit smaller and let Marcus Smart, not Marcus Smart, let Marcus Morris be the one that gives Al Horford some rest and some reprieve while Baines is still out there that way in the fourth quarter those guys don't have high chalked minutes and the three of them can be on the court at the same time everything else can be the hot hand I expect to see we talk about the starting lineup being less important than who finishes the game we've heard that a thousand times I think it's definitely Marcus Smart Kyrie Irving working off the ball Gordon Hayward and then I think we'll probably see Marcus Morris and Al Horford that's what I think will be the five players on the court to end most games.
0: I think you're right. I think that's absolutely the, the five they'll go with. I think it's, it is interesting that 10th rotation spot. We know that Brad, the first half of the year for him is all about experimentation. It's about trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work, what pieces fit, where do they fit? Uh, probably the, Biggest, the best example of that is the David Lee experiment, which failed miserably, but you can't say he didn't try. So now we've got a roster of, and I guess, you know, I look at after you get to Irving, Brown, Hayward, Morris, Horford, that's four of the five that are vets, right? Then the second unit, Rozier, Smart, Tatum, Baines, four of those five are actually young guys, I think Smart really is still a young guy, still on his rookie deal. Are you putting Morris
1: on that bench though? Because or did you did you just put him in the Morris starting? Morris isn't the starting
0: five in my mind. In, okay. I'm saying I'm saying Baines is is the second unit center in that scenario. So it's that fifth it's that fifth the fifth guy, I guess, in that second unit is really the one that's a question. It's between Aujolet, Tice, and Yaboselli. I think really. Those three are going to be in the mix to see who can be that tenth that tenth player. I think it's pretty clear. You're right. I think no Nye Nader. Is solid. You're not going to put Nader in there. I, I, I
1: would not either. I think Nader's really kind of an end of the bench, maybe spot minutes due to injury or just mid season lethargy due to too much time. They did try to stretch out the season a little bit, less back to so backs. We might not have that kind of an issue, and. If it does pay off, we might not need a tenth guy. You may see that there's really just a top eight rotation that they shuffle them through and they just try to get a nice strong core that can play together. And then there's just, hey, we're gonna give a a guy a night off. Semi, you're gonna get some minutes. Hey, we're gonna give a night a guy a night off. Now it's your turn and um you know, maybe Nader gets a couple minutes. But I Yamaselli I, could work his way into the rotation. I will say that just based on hustle and lack of depth and at that position. And he has shown that he can hit the three ball. I could see him working his way in, but I almost think it's eight, no more than nine in the top end of the rotation. I don't think there is a 10th guy that's going to get regular minutes. And I don't see Brad dividing that first and second unit so cleanly.
0: Well, I, I maybe, but I just I think that would be going against what we've seen from Brad Stevens, and and admittedly he's had fairly veteran groups here in Boston since he came here in thirteen fourteen, and yes they've they've shuffled them in they've shuffled them out, uh, particularly that the year when when Rondo was dealt and it seemed like everything was was thrown asun, asunder at that point, but I don't think that we've had a situation like this where. You know, as I said, front of the five in your bench units are, are in that bench unit or on the rookie contracts. This is, this is an extreme scenario for him. And so I think he's going to be looking for answers and alternatives. And if he's his predisposition is in that first half of the year is to give more people chances to give them opportunities to earn it. And if they're not earning it, they're not going to get another chance. I mean, he's going to.
1: Yeah. But really how many stri- of these guys are going to turn out to be. You know, Jordan Mickey or, you know, James Young. There's a lot of players that you've got slotted in that 10, 11, 12 spot that mm-hmm. haven't played a lick of minutes in front of the Boston crowd, right? That's Not right. a That's lick right. of minutes. We've got, we've got plenty of depth here that could be James Young, Jordan Mickey. They could be lighting it up. Uh, you know, with the call up to Maine and the D-League, with the Red Claws, we could see them lighting it up and then just not be able to provide that level of consistency in the rotation. And look, another reason why you get a younger team is so that they can play these kinds of extended minutes. I mean, I don't think they want to wear anybody down, but let's face it, these aren't your Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen years where they had Leon Poe and Rondo and Perk. Trying to play some extended minutes to be able to keep those guys rested, right? This is different. We have guys that are 25, 27. The only person whose minutes should really be heavily managed on a night in, night out basis is Al Horford. And I think that's exactly what we'll see. And I think part of the reason that Marcus Smart will finish games is so that when Kyrie, so that Kyrie can work off the ball and that those extended minutes aren't just killing him as a ball dominant guard because that's where I think you can run into trouble everybody else can play off ball that there's a lot of not necessarily I don't want to say lack of hustle but it's not like this is a rebounding group you just described the fact that defensively they're going to be a little bit of a sieve and it's going to take them a while to get that down and then we'll just add to that the fact that today's NBA is just not a lot of running around. Think about how many sets last year were four guys standing out on the arc while Isaiah Thomas created offense. Do you think those other guys were suffering from those extended minutes? Probably not. And I think we will still see that inverted offense and hopefully – Really, not hopefully, but the player that's most likely to, to for that to be detrimental would be Kyrie Irving, the same way it was detrimental to Isaiah Thomas last season. But having Hayward who can knock down all open shots. If more Celtics players could have hit the three ball and there was a nice uptick last year, but if we can get to a point where it's a respectable or even slightly above average three-point percentage from this club and including some of the big man minutes, that will go a long way to increasing durability of Kyrie Irving and also Marcus Smart. And I think that top eight or nine players, we're going to see heavy, heavy minutes for those guys.
0: Yeah, I I, uh, I don't I won't belabor the point because I think we think he go probably keep going with it. I just I don't see that that's Brad's MO. I think Brad wants to play a lot of guys. I think he wants to give a lot of people opportunity. There's not a lot of separation there, particularly on that, as you said, nine, ten, eleven, twelfth guy. Uh I don't I mean I think there's times when Tatum isn't gonna get a chance to get in there. Um Rosier is you know, he has to earn that. Smart has to earn that. And I'd love to see Smart be part of that closing. But he's got to start to hit those shots. That he can't be a guy who is you know where the ball stops. Now he could be the one guy who doesn't shoot, and if you could have four shooters and, and, and one Marcus Smart and make it work. But hold offensively, on, just think about game.
1: that. What's the alternative? The alternative is Brown. that you have Jalen Brown out there who's basically Rozier. also got the same question. Maybe Rozier. I could see the Rozier statement there if he's hit a hot streak and he's knocking down. Those shots and they do want the ball in Kyrie Irving's hands. I could see that as a threat, but outside of that, Marcus Smart can facilitate the offense, and he's going to be the best defender on this team next season. Right, and there's no debate about that. And you just on a team that can't play defense, and and so the alternative outside of Rozier, that's still an offensive statement. And offense isn't going to be their struggle. The only other person is Jalen Brown, and yes, he might be longer and you know a little bit more athletic in his defensive ability, but at the end of the day, Marcus Smart's going to start getting calls next year, hopefully. Um, and if that starts to happen, and he steps into this defender role, he's the guy you really want out there. Even if he still doesn't have a three ball, <laughs> and and if he doesn't have a three ball, his contract comes at a bargain at the end of the season, right?
0: And this is we are a pro Marcus Smart group here. So, admittedly, hugely, we're we, hugely we,
1: pro Marcus Smart.
0: We we appreciate what Marcus Smart does. If he can take that next Should shot, I just said so, bigly? As
1: a we're like, we're bigly on
0: Marcus Smart. We're bigly. Smart. Bigly, bigly. We're so bigly in Marcus Smart. We love Marcus Smart. Um, we, <laughs> I'm not going to go all the way there. Not going to go all the way there. No, you pretty much stuff. already I'm did there.
1: go there. <laughs> you did it.
0: I did. It, it, it's going to be, no. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, so, uh, but but Marcus, Marcus, if Marcus can hit that shot at a, hit that three-pointer, that corner three, a 38% clip, which he actually did. His corner threes actually were really good. His problem last year was that above-the-break three. If he can get that above-the-break three with a 30, 31, 32%, he'll be shooting near 40 next year. I mean, if you look at the numbers, the the above-the-break number is where he struggles mightily. If he can get that worked out... That's because he doesn't take it from a consistent spot. And
1: that's why the corner is so key. I don't think he's figured out where he gets his shots from on the floor. He could really benefit from a Kyrie Irving presence, from a Gordon Hayward presence, outside of anything he learned from Isaiah Thomas. What other player that he's played with since the Celtics drafted him can show him how to work his offense, do the different things that he does, and just get to his spots instead of trying to take shots from any old place on the floor? Because that's really... What I see as his biggest issue, there's no consistency about where he likes to get the ball, and that's going to destroy a man's confidence over the duration of a year.
0: And there's been no consistency about where he's played in the Celtics offense in the four years <laughs> he's been here. There's no really that's, way that's to good. get
1: to his spot because he doesn't have any way to carve out his spot. Last year was the exactly. most consistent, though. Last year, he did play yes. more heavily at guard. You know, that whole rotating him to the four or the five in weird scenarios or having him play the three, I think that experiment is largely over. And a lot of it had to do with his growth in the pick and roll and the willingness of Brad to play Isaiah off the ball, which was also a bit of a necessity, as we found, look at what the banging of of having him the ball in his hands always yeah. going to the rim. You know, had there been better shooters and more savvy playmakers on this roster to taking a little bit of that burden off of Isaiah, he might have been able to play the entire postseason.
0: I don't know. I don't it's it, it, he is the, injured this is... that
1: three times I know. he injured
0: it. But he's got a congenital issue there too. So it was a ticking time bomb in part anyway. Right? It's <laughs> <saw the> genitals. <laughs> no, I didn't. I said, oh, stop it. YouTube, YouTube, watch yourself. And listen, and here's this is what
1: switching to video does. It just, you know, it was, it was a nice little friendly audio <laughs> podcast. Now we have video and it's off the hook. We don't even know what to do anymore. <laughs>
0: This is giving the keys to your 16-year-old and be like, here you go. Here's the Corvette. Don't don't scratch it. Hold yeah, on so a second. If
1: we're Beavis and Butthead, who's Beavis? Yeah, I'm totally Beavis, right? And you're Butthead. Yeah, is that I'm, how it I'm works? I'm
0: definitely Butthead. It's like, listen here, Butthead. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> they yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, no. Let's torment you as oh to
1: anybody who has to listen to this.
0: And here's the other thing. All the millennials that are watching on YouTube, they're just like, what the hell are these nearly 40 or over 40 year old people towing? talking about some show I don't even know about? It's Mike Judge. Mike Judge. Maybe that helps. Uh, Silicon Valley. Look it up. Anyway, so, <laughs> back to here. Um, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart's the X factor in this, in this league, in this game, this, this team this year. I think he is the guy, uh, if he can find a role and carve out a role as a, you know, a consistent, to 14 point a night score, but adding the other stuff, this team can win 55-60 games. I think. It's, How many it's, times
1: have we said this, though? Nope. This sounds exactly yeah. like the conversation that we had in August and September of the last two seasons. Every year, and last oh. year we were so convinced this is his breakout season. This is the year. You know, yeah. year number three. And don't forget, you know, he was injured. He didn't have a great off season before. And you know what? Last year he finally had the off season. He definitely tried to make his shooting form a little more compact, bring his gather up a little bit higher, and get into that. Maybe. There's a little bit of a delay on that year three because of that first offseason not being able to to really get that work in. But maybe this is the true year three? I don't know. I'm hoping for a breakout year, but the truth is he's adjusting to a completely new roster. His role will be somewhat adapted, and he may feel a little bit spurned that Jalen Brown is getting those minutes in the starting lineup, which I think is the most likely thing to happen again marcus deserves them if they have a playmaker to be able to set up the offense and initiate it on the second unit but they don't so the poor guy is going to get stuck in that second unit and if he's finishing games he won't care that's the biggest thing but what if brown you know really takes a leap here and they feel like they can't not have him on the floor to finish games. That is where we'll we'll wind up running into some, some real uh, chemistry issues with a roster that doesn't know it. They don't know each other. They don't they know don't. each other. They don't have an identity. They don't have a culture. I'm not saying they won't get all of that because I think the organizations run so well, and Brad yep. has obviously shown an ability to do that very well. But come on. I mean, what if Kyrie is like trying to LeBron the Celtics? This is my place, you know. They they've got new world challenges with new attitudes.
0: They've right, and Marcus is the guy. He's lo- he's the longest-tenured Celtic at this point. So he's the one that has to set the, set the character, set the tone, uh, which is a crazy place to be for a guy that's on his rookie contract who <laughs> struggles to consistently score double digits and points. And yet here we are, but he has it within him. You know it. I know it. We're, we were all uh, waiting for that breakout uh, from Marcus. I think he's capable of it. I think this is the year where expectations are so low and everyone's looking at everyone else. The, the expectations on Jalen Brown are sky high. It's almost impossible for Jalen to meet the mark that everyone has set for him. Marcus now with one consistent season under his belt, perhaps uh maybe this is the time for him. The other thing I'd add to that is there was some con- concerns or questions about his conditioning at the end of the season. And, I think that he saw that Jalen's or smart? No, smarts. Um, you know, looking a little heavy, playing a little heavy. Um, you know, there were points, there were some questions as whether or not he was hurt. Uh, again, nothing was ever said about what his injury was. But there were certainly instances where he's lined up with a, a Marcus Morris or a, um, you know, it could be, you know, the, you know, sideshow Bob Lopez. And he couldn't get by him. You know, and those are the situations where if you can play positionless, positionless basketball, it's great if he can switch onto a big and prevent them from scoring in the post. But if he can't go on the other end and get by the big, then his value is really limited. And so that's where I'm, I'm looking at him really for more of the speed aspect of it. I'm not saying he's going to be Terry Rosier. I'm not looking for him to be Tito and, and on Snapchat and doing the dance and all the latest hip hop. Artists, but but he's certainly got to be able to be a guy who can who can get by the big when he's on a switch and can take advantage of that situation. That's where he's got well, we'll to be. I just do more post up. up. I
1: you know what? I don't think his game is all about speed. He's got to have. He's no, got to figure out. But he's gotta how Paul to, Pierce he's gotta got to be to able to He's got to be able to get spots. by
0: those those bigs. Yeah. He's got to be able to do he, that. He should he be able to do, do that. that. Then he, then, then, he, then you're right. Jalen Brown supplants him in the, in the starting lineup or even in the closing lineup, I think. I still think his role
1: is primarily defensive and we'll have to see how that all plays out. Yeah. And the other thing I'll say about Marcus Smart and just the season that's coming up is don't you want to be at those practices and watch he and Kyrie Irving go at each other. Because when you talk about that responsibility of Marcus Smart to be the person who brings, this is the culture and identity that this team had the last two years. Now we want to still have it. I'm going to be the tone setter. Everybody's looking at me. I'm going to take the lessons that I learned from Jay Crowder and Avery Bradley, that defense, that attitude, that work ethic. I'm bringing it to the table. It's going to be him and Kyrie Irving night in and night out. And I know, or practice in and practice out. And I know that he definitely had a hard time with Isaiah Thomas. But this is a different, even though the play, the style of play is similar now he's got a guy that's all. That's also the same size as him, is a little bit stronger. One of the ways that Isaiah Thomas created space was just the way he would, you know, take contact and then create room. And I'm not saying that Kyrie doesn't do that, but he gets his space a little bit differently. And from a strength standpoint, just physically bodying up, if, if Marcus were to try to, you know, it would try to stop Kyrie from posting up on him, Even that is a completely different prospect than having Isaiah guard you in practice. Now, I know also Marcus probably went and got matched up against Avery Bradley several times, but this is a whole new challenge for him. And also Kyrie's kind of coming in and maybe he's got to be the leader or he feels that pressure and it's going to be Marcus. It's going to be pushing back and making him, you know, earn it. And for the rest of the players on the roster to view it that way, that's going to be really important that Kyrie gets tested and that he gets tested to play defense. And we've got to wrap the show. I'll let you follow one more time before we close. But the only other thing I'll say to all that is the fact that you know, we heard in that press conference, Brad kind of took a little, there's a little de- there's been a conversation between Kyrie and Brad about his defense. It'll be interesting yes. to see if he responds to that.
0: It will be. And I think you're right. That, it's a great point. How those two, Smart and Kyrie, Almost mirror image, almost. Uh, I guess the photo negatives of each other. Uh, you know the fact that that Kyrie, you know, obviously the offensive genius, um, but certainly lacks the intensity and hustle, which clearly is something that Mark Smart owns <laughs> a lot of real estate in. So to be able to put them to, those two together and go back and forth, uh, it will just be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a great preseason, though it's only four games, and I think. The fact these guys are going to be able to be practicing more with, with each other, uh, due to the way this, the schedule layout, I think is really going to help this team with so many young guys. So good stuff. It's also a good time to your Red Claws fan, so certainly head up to Portland and <laughs> yeah. <check> guy. <laughs> no doubt, definitely.
1: Hey, that's going to do it for this week. The broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in and a reminder that this show was brought to you by FanDuel. We're going to have a listener league coming right up for you. You can get started today by using our promo code CSL17 you can also support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher we'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is extremely important to us and for staff writer Samuel Elias executive producer Larry H. Russell the founder of CLNS Media Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke I'm Justin Poulin thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live
0: Celtic Stuff Live.